Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 66, Farewell 2022. In just a few hours, we are going to be saying goodbye to 2022. Some of us are probably going to say good riddance to 2022. It's been an interesting year. Not sure that that is necessarily a good thing, but it has been one revelation after another all year long. And 2023 promises to hold some surprises and revelations as well. During 2023, we're likely going to find out if rich white men who have held positions of power in the country are truly not above the laws of the land. We'll likely find out if Donald Trump is going to be indicted for crimes. And I'm almost more interested to see if sitting members of Congress who, (laughs) at a minimum, failed to keep their oath of office are also held accountable for their actions because a lot of those folks who I see as being traitors to the country are still sitting in Congress today and will still be in Congress during the next session, which starts on January the 3rd. But I'm sure many of you will be relieved to know that House Republican Whip Steve Scalise, who has been elected to become the next House Majority Leader, is already on top of the agenda for the next session of Congress, at least in the House. He sent a letter to his colleagues yesterday, this would be Friday, December the 30th, and in this letter he outlined the Republican Party's party's legislative agenda once it takes over the chamber in the new year. Now, remember, they have a very, very small majority in the House, almost razor thin. They were expecting to pick up a lot of seats, and it didn't happen. So when Scalise says the American people spoke on November the 8th and decided it was time for a new direction, should be clarified that the American people didn't speak very loudly about that. They barely squeaked by. Scalise continued, quote, 
The last two years have been tough on hardworking families as they have grappled with drastic increases in the cost of living, safety concerns, with violent crime skyrocketing in our communities, soaring gas and home heating prices, and a worsening crisis at our southern border, end quote. So Americans might reasonably expect that the bills that the Republicans plan on bringing to the floor during the first couple of weeks of this new session would address things like uh, the drastic increases in the cost of living and the safety concerns that Americans have with violent crime and soaring gas and home heating prices and the worsening crisis at the southern border, right? Hmm. Well, let's see here. The uh, list of legislation that he has mentioned includes a bill to rescind billions of dollars that were allocated in the Inflation Reduction Act passed by the Democrats with zero Republican support. Uh, these billions of dollars were allocated to the Internal Revenue Service. And the money is needed to modernize the agency and to replace a workforce that is beginning to retire and to address the fact that the workforce and the budget for the IRS has been cut in recent years. Now, the Republicans are saying that this funding is going to result in the hiring of 87,000 IRS agents who are going to target middle-income families. Ooh, that's bad. Isn't that bad? Wow. So let's take a look at that before we go too much further here. The Internal Revenue Service is charged with collecting taxes from the American people and from businesses. And those taxes fund everything in the government, from Social Security to Medicaid, to the post office, to the military, to all of the governmental agencies. And the IRS has been struggling the last few years. It is estimated that as of somewhere around 2018-2019, uh, the amount of taxes that Americans owed was about $131 billion. These are unpaid taxes. And that kind of money would, well, it would fund the Department of Education for two years. And it's most interesting to note that of that $131 billion in unpaid taxes, the vast majority of that is owned by the wealthiest people in the country. And despite that, the IRS is not making attempts to collect those unpaid taxes from the wealthy. 
And the IRS commissioner a few years back sent a letter to Congress saying that the agency was not able to audit the rich because they couldn't afford to audit the rich. So in order to meet its goals, it pursues the poorer Americans instead. The IRS commissioner who wrote this letter was a man by the name of Charles Redding. And ProPublica did a investigative story a few years back, actually several stories about this, and said that the IRS was more likely to audit a person who makes $20,000 a year than they uh, would be if a person made $400,000 a year. The reason for that is because it apparently takes a lot less time to audit the taxes of someone who earns less money and receives the earned income tax credit, which makes it very easy to go through quite a few tax returns fairly quickly because they're, they're simpler. The wealthy have lots of loopholes and lots of holdings, and sometimes they have multiple partnerships and businesses and things like that. And you've got to go through all of this stuff. And you have to have people that understand how all those things are supposed to work. And when you can consider the fact that it could take an agent days or even weeks to go through a very wealthy person's taxes, and in that same amount of time, they could do hundreds of others, it's kind of easy to see why they're doing it that way. But in 2018, the fact is that millionaires in the United States of America were 80% less likely to be audited than they were in 2011. And the reason for that is because the Republican Party, the conservatives, for years have been behind efforts to defund and almost criminalize the IRS. Over the seven or eight years, uh, well, let's say from 2019 or so back, Congress has reduced the agency's enforcement budget by billions of dollars. Just a little at a time, spread out over, you know, seven or eight years. And by the end of 2019, the IRS budget was down a full 25% from what it was in 2008. And because they have, the Republicans have just kind of chipped away at the budget a little bit at a time, a little every year the public has really not noticed. And now 
the IRS has uh, a lot fewer people working there than they need to. And as a result, the United States is losing at least $18 billion in revenue each year because people who should be audited aren't being audited. And this is an intentional act on the part of the Republicans to protect their wealthy donors and lobbyists and to protect themselves because they're all millionaires. So the Republicans have kind of had this strategy over the last, uh, been a long time, uh, starve the beast. They want to make government look bad by not funding agencies so that they cannot operate at the levels that they are expected to operate at by the American people. So they start slashing the budgets a little bit at a time so that nobody really notices. And then finally, these agencies get to the point where they're not able to do their jobs properly because they simply do not have enough people to process the workload. And then the Republicans, instead of saying, oops, we bad, we've cut too much money out of this, they say, well, see, see, this proves that the government can't do its job, can't be effective. Of course, they probably want to privatize this so that it will cost taxpayers a lot more money because the private sector costs more, always costs more. But they talk about how much they hate government, but they sure don't mind taking a job in government. They sure don't mind cashing those paychecks. They sure don't mind the benefits. But how many of you absolutely hate your employer? I guess there's probably some out there that do, but you could change jobs. That's usually an option. Probably isn't for everybody, but why would you be attracted to working for the government if you hate the government and you think that it's the beast? Doesn't make sense to me. And let's not forget the fact that the GOP is big on tax cuts. So we've already got agencies struggling for funding. And the IRS, or the IRS is just one example, but there are other agencies as well. The Veterans Administration is hurting. There's a lot of agencies that could use more funding so that they can more effectively do their jobs. But in 2017, knowing that agencies were already struggling, the Republicans shoved through another tax cuts. The corporate tax rate was basically cut in half, half. The average American saw their taxes go down about 4%, maybe, if you're lucky. And I'll point something else out to you, too. These tax cuts that they pushed through for corporations and for the wealthy were made permanent in this 2017. 
2017 bill that the Republicans forced through. The other taxes for, you know, the little people, the middle class, were temporary. And they were set to go up and uh, right now have already been going up because of this tax policy. So the Republicans aren't really being honest. You've heard of lying by omission. Well, they're not telling the American people the true story here. And the Internal Revenue Service, the hiring of these new agents was basically so that they could start auditing the wealthy. But the Republicans don't want that. And they're not going to tell Americans the truth. And again, I have to ask America, why do you keep voting for these people who lie to you? I'll bet the minute they are away from the cameras and they are certain that all the mics are turned off and there's no journalists around, they laugh at how stupid the American people are for continuing year after year to believe this garbage that they promote. So that's the first one okay that's that's going to be a, a real important one they want to make sure that uh their wealthy donors don't get audited they want the little people to pay taxes the wealthy are too important to pay taxes um the next thing of course that is important to the republicans is the hyde amendment that is a provision that has been around for a long time, for decades, that gets pushed into federal funding year after year after year after year. And basically what it says is federal funding for most abortions is prohibited. And... <laughs> okay. You know, big, big deal, I guess. Um, they've pretty much made abortions almost impossible to get anyway. So why are they wasting their time on this? I guess they're afraid that some states are going to pass legislation to protect women and to protect women's rights. You know, those those rights that the founders guaranteed to all American citizens at the Republican Party and their near-do-wells sitting on the Supreme Court in stolen seats, those rights that they're taking away from women, from women, even though it takes a man and a woman to create a baby, at least last I heard, the men have absolutely no responsibility the men aren't being penalized. The men aren't being punished. The men are not having their rights taking a, taken away from them, but the women are. And yet we have women supporting these Republicans. And the Republican, these white men are smiling at you and telling you to your face through the legislation that they're passing that you are not worthy of the same protections as the men are. 
and you're voting for them. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now I will say that for years, Joe Biden, who is a Catholic, supported the amendment. And back in, I think it was 2019, he decided that uh, he wasn't going to support that any longer. And uh, the Democrats did try to get rid of that provision in uh, one of the spending bills from, I think it was 2021. But it it failed because the Republicans, of course, don't want to go along with anything that might protect a woman's rights or help people in any way. And the GOP is also going to bring uh, legislation to the floor to establish a China Select Committee. <laughs> okay. That's, I'm sure, going to help the American people a whole lot there. Uh, they want to block non-emergency drawdowns from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. They're unhappy because President Biden has removed um, petrol, you know, oil from our petroleum reserves in order to help counteract the greed of the oil companies with the escalating gas prices over the last uh, year or so. And of course, the Republicans aren't going to address the real problem, which is the greed of the oil companies, which have seen their profits skyrocket, blown right through that glass ceiling over the last year. And the fact of the matter is the oil companies here in the United States of America could supply all of the oil necessary for all of the Americans for their vehicles, to heat their homes, everything. We don't need any imported oil at all from any other country, yet the oil companies export about 29% of the production of oil here in the United States of America, and they import a similar amount at higher prices. Figure that one out. And the Republicans in Congress know this, but they're not going to address that. They're not going to address the greed of corporate America because, you know, capitalism is supposed to keep prices down, but it's not when all of the companies involved get together and decide they're going to raise the prices. And there is a thing known as a windfall profits tax, which could be levied against these oil companies and it might make them cut back on some of their pricing, but uh, the Republicans aren't going to tolerate that either. So this is just their way of saying, well, the, the attempts of Joe Biden to lower the price of gas, they want to make sure that he, that that can't happen again because it helped a little bit. And let's see, oh, they want to make sure that the Department of Homeland Security has the power to forbid migrants at the border from uh, entering the country. They want to just say, no, 
And this is going to be this decision will be made by one person, the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. So once again, they want to attack people that don't have white skin. And so that's just a few of the things that they're going to focus on. And of course, the other things that they're going to do is they're going to establish committees. They're going to have to hold votes and seat members. And a lot of this stuff can't happen until the new speaker is elected. And Kevin McCarthy is really, really, really wanting to be the next Speaker of the House, and he doesn't have the votes to do it. And so we're going to see how that turns out. The <laughs> the Republicans to say that they are in disarray is is definitely an understatement. And what they're saying is that Scalise basically said that it's he knows it's going to take time for the committees to get established in the new Congress, but he wants to make sure that some of these bills that he has already talked about that he wants to bring forward uh, during the first couple of weeks of the new Congress are ready to go legislation. He wants votes right away. He said, quote, <clears throat> excuse me, quote, these common sense measures will address challenges facing hardworking families on issues ranging from energy, inflation, border security, life, taxpayer protection, and more. They should garner wide support and provide an indication of our bold agenda to come, end quote. So <laughs> energy, uh, they're going to pass a bill that makes it illegal to remove oil from the strategic petroleum reserves unless there's an emergency, which uh, probably will be loosely defined. So I guess that's how they're going to address the energy problem that's affecting people who are going to be paying high natural gas bills this year to heat their homes. Border security. Uh, you know, maybe they just need to sit down with Democrats and write legislation to fix the problem. We've had a problem with immigration for how long now? And these yahoos, half of them, have been occupying seats in Congress for generations, it seems, and they haven't fixed immigration yet. Why are they being paid? What the heck are they doing? Well, Half the time, they're out campaigning and catering to their donors. That's what they're doing half of the time. So if they worked a five-day work week, which they don't, it's usually four days, 
you can pretty much guess that two of those days, they're not going to do a darn thing that's going to help you as a citizen. They're working solely to protect themselves, keep their seats. So taxpayer protection, the only taxpayers they're protecting are the wealthy folks. They're not protecting the middle class or the working class or the poor people at all. They are protecting themselves and the wealthy who have already gotten, gotten away with not paying their taxes for a long time. So those are their focuses. So if your expectations for big changes in 2023, changes that affect your life as an American citizen, unless you're wealthy or the owner of a corporation, you might want to lower those expectations, folks, because it looks like the Republicans are going to keep doing the same stuff that they've been doing for decades, and that is catering to wealthy and businesses and the rest of America, well, too bad. We're going to blame it all on the Democrats. What do you think? Are you happy to see 2022 go away? Do you hold out high hopes for 2023? 2023 right now is a blank page. It could go almost any direction. I don't recall hearing anybody <laughs> saying that they have high hopes for 2023. I'm sure that there are optimists out there that are always going to look at the bright side or try to be positive. And honestly, I hope that they're right this time. I hope 2022 is a good year for our country. Thankfully, the Democrats are still in control of the Senate and we have Joe Biden is still in the White House, so any crazy legislation that the Republicans in the House of Representatives may want to shove through probably isn't going to make it into law. It probably won't be enacted. Either the Senate will kill it or President Biden can veto it. But we may find out if our Justice Department is still intact and still upholds the rule of law in this country. At this point, you truly would have to be detached completely from reality to think that President, former President Trump has not committed crimes. I don't know what you would have to see 
at this point if you don't think he's guilty. And I think 2023 will be a better year if he is indicted and if he is tried in a court of law because it will finally prove that just because you're white and rich and powerful and have gotten away with a lot of stuff over the years, that doesn't mean that you're always going to be able to get away with those things. Accountability. And that goes for a lot of the members of the Republican Party who are sitting in Congress as well. Are we going to look the other way and allow them to violate their oaths of office? And what appalls me the most is the outright blatant misinformation that the Republicans spew out on a daily basis, blaming the inflation on Biden and the Democrats. And there's not a legitimate economist anywhere in the world that's going to say, oh, yes, the inflation in 2022 was caused by Biden's policies. No, because the policies that the Democrats and Joe Biden have here in the United States don't apply to other countries. So how do they justify the fact that other countries are also experiencing high inflation? They can't. And they also ignore the fact that after a period of economic downturn, inflation very often follows during the recovery. But those are facts that they don't want their supporters to think about because it's much easier for them to blame it all on the Democrats. And of course, again, and I'm going to keep saying this because it's important, and I hope you and everybody else says it as well. These people are in Congress. They have the ability and the responsibility to write legislation that will fix these problems. They need to address them. They're not being paid to sit all day long at their computer and post stupid nonsense on Twitter. Maybe they're paying a staffer to do it, but that's not what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be fixing these problems. Immigration has been a problem forever. They're still complaining about it. They're blaming everybody else. Why don't they sit down personally and fix it? Everybody needs to start asking them that. If you're a journalist and you get a Republican in front of the camera or you get them at a sit-down interview with a recording, you ought to ask them, why have you personally not written legislation to fix this? Immigration, if it's such a problem, why are you not forming a committee to fix it? Why are you not working across the aisle with the Democrats to find a solution to this long-term issue? Hold them accountable. Put their feet to the fire. Make them do their job.
corporations, the big banks, big oil companies have way too much control over our politicians. And they have way too much say in what legislation passes and what legislation never sees the light of day. And that is all because of money. I believe if we are going to be able to fix the issues in this country, there's a couple of things that need to be done. Number one, they're going to have to get rid of the filibuster in the Senate. It has a notorious history that is based in racism. It was a device that was used to prevent legislation from coming to the Senate floor that would make lives better for African-Americans. Go back and look at the history. And now it only serves as a means to prevent legislation from coming to the floor. And it gives senators an excuse when they go home and their constituents say, why didn't such and such pass? Well, it never made it to the floor. It was blocked. Easy way of not having to do your job. You collect your salary, but you don't have to do your job. At the very least, they need to make someone who is in support of the filibuster for a particular bill, they need to make them stand on the Senate floor and talk like they used to, instead of just sending an email or a text to the uh, Senate leader saying, I'm gonna filibuster this bill. That's all they have to do. I'm just gonna filibuster this and that's it. Nothing happens. Make them stand there for 24 hours with a urine bag strapped to their leg. And do it on television so the American people see what a complete waste of time some of these people are. But we're going to have to get rid of that. America should be a majority rules country. And the majority ought to rule. We ought to get rid of the Electoral College because congressional districts have been gerrymandered so badly at this point, it's ridiculous. The Republicans don't want to do it because the gerrymandering has benefited them dramatically. But there's a problem when you have a Republican president who consistently loses the popular vote by millions and millions of votes. Those people are kind of being disenfranchised, don't you think? Because there's millions of votes that are getting tossed aside saying, yeah, you don't really count because the Electoral College determines who the president is. We need to get rid of it. We do. We need to get rid of it. 
we need to rebalance the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court has been politicized and corrupted with stolen seats. The majority of the members on the Supreme Court are Catholics, and the majority of the members of the, or the justices on the Supreme Court are conservatives. That does not reflect America. And their extreme right-wing decisions, which are being made by justices who, in some cases, were not completely honest during their hearings before Congress when they were trying to get their seat on the Supreme Court. Others have conflicts of interest where they do not step down and say, I can't be involved in this because my wife was involved. <laughs> They aren't controlled by any ethics. They're internally regulated, apparently. And each justice is supposed to decide on his or her own whether or not they need to recuse themselves from something because they're involved. And we're seeing that that's not really working. And let's not ignore the fact that some of those seats were stolen seats. And three of those justices were put in those positions, nominated by a president, who many view as an illegitimate president, and a man who has appointed, nominated other justices, other judges, who are completely unqualified for their positions. So we need to add a few justices to the Supreme Court. We have more uh, district courts now than we have justices. And I don't think that there's anything in writing that says you're supposed to have a one justice for each district or anything like that. But I think we need to increase the number of Supreme Court justices that we have in an attempt to balance the Supreme Court again. We're not trying to tip it one way or the other because the Republicans have already done that. And of course, being the hypocrites that they are, they're going to accuse the Democrats of trying to tip the court. Well, no, we just want to put it back into balance because the Republicans are the ones who tipped the court with their twice impeached president being responsible for three of them. We've got to get the money out of politics. I think we need to go to publicly financed campaigns where everyone has the same amount of money. And we need to completely get rid of all the dark money, which is tied to foreign countries. The way it's set up today, Vladimir Putin literally could 
funnel money into another entity who could then funnel money into our elections to tilt them. Advertising works. And when you start dumping a billion dollars into the advertising market on behalf of one party, it can make a difference. And we've got to get rid of that. We need to take the money from individuals and corporate money because corporations are not people. Corporations are made up of people and all of those people have their own individual rights. They should not be given extra special rights because they sit on the board of a corporation or they run a corporation that has access to huge sums of money. Do I think any of these things are going to happen in the coming year? Who knows? It would be nice if we could start moving in that direction. But I guess we'll see. I expect if we're going to see indictments for any of these crimes that were committed by number 45 and his cronies, I would think by spring of 2023, they would start coming down. And I think as more and more information gets out to the American people, the support that the Republican Party has today will erode. The support that Donald Trump has is going to erode even more than it already has. And maybe, maybe there'll be an opportunity for some change. Let's hope that's the case. Already, I'm saying 2022 when I mean 2023. Earlier, when I said that I hoped 2022 would be a good year for the country, obviously, I meant 2023, since we already know about 2022. Anyway, sorry about that. I think probably one of the first things that we need to look for in 2023 to have some idea of the direction that the country might be headed and how the Republican Party is going to police itself or hold itself responsible, hold itself accountable, because they talk about responsibility and accountability, but normally when the Republicans say those things, they're talking about Democrats. They're not talking about themselves. And the big fight is going to occur in the House of Representatives with the Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy wants to be the Speaker of the House, and he feels that he is entitled to be the Speaker of the House. And this guy, you want to talk about a flip-flopper. He is all over the place. He condemned Trump after the January 6th riots on the U.S. Capitol. And then, what, a week later? Was it even, was it two weeks? Within a week or two after that, he's groveling at Trump's feet down at Mar-a-Lago and posing for photos with him. 
And ever since then, he's completely changed his tune about January 6th and Trump's involvement. Adam Schiff, in his book that came out, was it last year or the year before, kind of mentioned an issue where he was personally present when something happened and he called McCarthy on it. And McCarthy's like, well, yeah, you know, you got to tell them what they want to hear or something like that. So McCarthy's a flim flam guy. He's, you know, typical politician, but he is not getting the votes that he needs to be the speaker of the house. And one of the things that some of the far-right extreme Republicans, maybe I should say far, far-right, super-extreme Republicans, because a lot of them are far-right now. Most of them are far-right, I would say. There's no such thing, I don't think, as a moderate Republican anymore. But one of the things that is being discussed, a point of contention, is this, uh, it is a parliamentary procedure in the House known as the motion to vacate the chair. And typically, the, uh, the rules that are in place now are that only a member of the House leadership can offer a motion to vacate. And that would mean someone high up in the leadership of the House would be the one that would have to suggest we want to basically have a vote to remove the Speaker. And the super far-right Republicans in the House want that standard to be repealed, and they want it changed so that any single member of the House can force a vote on the Speaker at any time. Just one member. That's it. I think you can see pretty quickly where that could go really bad, because if everybody in the House <laughs> can force a vote at any time, uh, are they going to ever be able to get anything done? Probably not. Now, McCarthy, up until just the last couple of days, has said, no, this motion to vacate change is not is not something that I'm willing to negotiate on, but of course, because he's a flip-flopper of immense proportions, he's now kind of uh, considering that. He's uh, beginning to kind of say, well, eh, maybe. So his suggestion now is that uh, maybe if five members all agree to, to do this, then you know maybe he would be agreeable to that. And this whole process is kind of a strange one because 
this motion to vacate is seen by others in the House as an insurance policy that allows them to have a little bit of control over the speaker. And the fear is that once the speaker gets a hold of the gavel, if, if it's McCarthy, he will refuse to uh, threaten a partial government shutdown in an effort to get President Biden to make concessions on policy because the House controls the bank account for the country. And these right-wing crazy people think that shutting down the government or doing a partial government shutdown, which doesn't do anything but harm the American people and the economy, it, it, that's, those are the people that get harmed. They want to have that leverage. And, you know, yeah, it's uh, something that is not a pleasant thing. But uh, they think that uh, these far right members think that it's a way of, of having accountability. So the situation is that McCarthy has to have 218 votes in order to become the Speaker of the House. The GOP majority is only 222 seats. So there's four seats. And because of that, he does not have any leeway to let any Republicans walk. And... You have to assume that on January 3rd, when these votes start taking place, everyone is actually in the House. There isn't anybody out sick. And everybody has to vote. But he has five Republicans now who have said that they're not going to vote for him. He already has five no votes. And... Uh, this motion to vacate the chair is not a procedure that occurs frequently in the House. I think uh, it occurred uh, in 1910 and in 2015. And in 1910, the Democrats uh, were unsuccessful in their attempt to oust GOC, GOP Speaker Joseph Gurney Cannon for ruling with... Um, what a lot of people claimed was an iron fist. And the Republicans stuck together as they normally do and refused to uh, go against their leader. So that one failed. And then uh, again, uh, back in July of 2015, uh, uh, the Freedom Caucus chairman, Mark Meadows, that name probably rings a bell with you because I think he's in a world of trouble right now. He's from North Carolina. Uh, and, of course, he was uh, President Trump's top guy in uh, the last uh, years of Trump's um, presidency. But Meadows sought to force a vote on uh, Speaker John Boehner's decision to strip 
Meadows from the House Oversight Committee for voting against a trade bill. And the folks who were close to Boehner and Republican leadership prevented the motion from going directly to the floor. It uh, was sent to the House Rules Committee for consideration, and after three months, uh, Boehner resigned after conservatives indicated that they would not drop the issue. And McCarthy tried to become the speaker after Boehner resigned. But the Freedom Caucus uh, opposed that. And the Republicans at the time only held a narrow majority. So the nearly two dozen member uh, group, uh, the, the Freedom Caucus had uh, about two dozen members at the time. They had veto power over it. So uh, Wisconsin Republican Paul Ryan uh, was the next speaker. And he agreed to accept the, uh, the position or to run for the top spot only after the Freedom Caucus promised that they would not try to boot him <laughs> in the same manner that they tried to boot Boehner. And when Nancy Pelosi became the Speaker of the House, in 2019, her um, uh, she changed the she changed the rule because she felt like that would allow minorities in the House to basically derail the uh, business of the House. And uh, one of the uh, uh, congressional aides on the Republican side uh, commented, quote, the House can't function if anyone can take the entire chamber hostage at any point over a petty disagreement with the speaker, end quote. So it's a, it can be a problem if you've got people who are uncooperative. And boy, I'll tell you that it seems to me that the Republicans are going to have a lot of people who are not going to be cooperative. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the Republicans, <clears throat> excuse me, police themselves. Uh, one of the big things that has happened lately, of course, is the <laughs> fact that uh, Republican representative-elect George Santos from New York apparently has never told the truth at any point in his entire life and he won the uh he won the election and i mean it's just his entire biography has been fabricated um <laughs> he he and santos has now admitted that he's made some false statements about his uh, educational and his professional background. And he said that uh, he was guilty of embellishing his resume or his history 
well, when you embellish something, you, I don't know, to me, that means you've taken a factual thing that's occurred and you make it sound better than it really was. But this guy claims that he graduated from uh, Baroque College and that he worked for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. And those entities were kind of like, we don't have any idea. We don't have any record of him. So now he, Santos has told of the New York Post that he didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning and he never worked directly with either firm. And his statement was, quote, a lot of people overstate in their resumes or twist a little bit. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that. I'm just saying I've done so much good work in my career. I'm not a criminal who defrauded the entire country, end quote. This was during an interview with one of the local radio stations up in New York, WABC AM. And <laughs> overstate or twist a little bit, seriously, saying that you work for some company that you never worked for, graduated from college that's never heard of you before. He has posted twice about his mother's death. At one time, he said that she died in the September 11th attacks. And then he posted again that he was observing the third or fifth anniversary of her death, and it was a different date than September 11th. So which is it? I mean, maybe he had two moms. Uh, you know, one of them's a stepmom. Maybe he was closer to her. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's some campaign stuff, money that doesn't look right. He uh, apparently uh, donated to his own campaign. Um, he loaned his own campaign $700,000 from what was a $750,000 salary that he reported uh, that he earned from his company called the DeVolder Organization. And Santos has reported over a million dollars in dividends from DeVolder, but nobody seems to really know what that company actually does. But just two years earlier, Santos reported having no assets, and he had a salary of $55,000. So he had no money in 2020 to having millions of dollars in 2022. And I guess the um, Nassau County, New York District Attorney has opened an investigation into Santos over some of these false claims. He has said that he's a proud American Jew and that his maternal grandparents fled anti-Jewish persecution in Europe during World War II. And now he's saying that he identifies religiously as Catholic and that he never claimed to be Jewish. So 
I don't know. He's presented himself as being gay, but apparently he was married to a woman and was divorced recently, maybe divorced. There's so much with this guy. Um, there's just no way that he should be seated in the United States House of Representatives because everything that he has said has been a misrepresentation of himself in some way. And the voters in New York who voted for him <laughs> voted for him based on what he was saying. And the majority of it seems to be a lie. So is the Republican Party going to police itself? Are they going to pull this guy aside and say, we're not seating you because you're a liar. The people in New York deserve to know honestly who's representing them, and they don't. But Santos is a vote, apparently, for Kevin McCarthy, and we know that Kevin McCarthy has no morals, no ethics, no values, and no scruples. So he isn't going to do a darn thing about it, at least until after he gets that vote to be speaker. So we're going to see. And I think that this may be a year, uh, 2023 may be a year when the American people get to see firsthand what the Republican Party really stands for. And if the news media in this country, which is largely conservative, it's not liberal, folks, it's not liberal, that's another lie that the Republicans have told that everybody seems to accept. But when you actually look at the facts, it's not true. We'll just see what happens. But uh, yeah, this guy is a fraud and should not be in the U.S. Congress. But of course, he's not going to be alone on the Republican side. There's a bunch of people, and I'm not going to mention their names because I've mentioned them before. I think most of you can figure out who they are because they are the ones that do the crazy, insane stuff like, uh, oh, breezing past the security checkpoint when you enter the Capitol to watch uh, the uh, president of Ukraine, Zelensky, when he gave his speech on the floor of the House. They did not go through the uh, metal detectors. They just zipped by. And when a security guard questioned them about it and stopped them, they just went on into the chamber. So is that really the kind of people you want representing you, folks? I don't think so. They don't abide by the rules themselves, but they would expect you to, but they don't feel that they have to. So you see there's a double standard, and we can't have that in a democracy. If no one is above the law, everybody has to follow the law. Everybody has to go by the rules and the protocols and the regulations. And when you've got dolts in Congress who feel that they don't have to go by the rules, it's a problem. It is a problem. So 
That's something to watch for in the year ahead. Anybody want to place a bet on how well the Republicans are going to handle this? <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll know probably sooner rather than later. Finally, I would like to end this podcast by saying thank you. Thank you to everyone who listens. It's really humbling to me to know that people listen. I hope that I perhaps make you think or reinforce things that you already believe. And I hope that for some, I am saying things in a way where it comes across in a manner that makes you understand better the situation or just take comfort in knowing that somebody else is expressing the same feelings that you have about things. It does help to know that you're not alone in the way that you feel. I have listeners in countries across the world, which is really a shock. <laughs> you look at some of the countries and you think, why would anybody there be interested in anything that I have to say? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a car accident. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you should listen to this podcast. This guy's really awful. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I accept that because I listen to my podcasts and have to edit them. And I keep seeing or keep hearing mistakes. And I have a piece of paper and I write down the things that I'm doing that I shouldn't do. I'm working on getting a better mic so that the sound is improved. I still need to find a good location to record in, and I need to figure out a way to do these recordings without distractions because I get distracted because the cats are doing something or somebody comes to the house and I lose my concentration when that happens. I started off by writing scripts and I didn't like the way that that sounded because it sounded like I was reading from a script and it sounded somewhat impersonal and I thought the pace of the episode was too slow and I think it sounds better and comes across better when people just talk and they just express how they feel, and sometimes there are misstatements. Sometimes there's words that are not pronounced properly. I try to go back and correct those, but as I've said, I am challenged in the editing department, and I'm going to also look into better editing software in the coming year. So 
I hope that you will continue to listen. I know that your time is very valuable. After all, that is our most precious asset here on this planet is our time because it is limited. Some of us have less than others and we never know. So when you give someone part of your day, it's special. And I just want you to know that I really appreciate it very much. And I'm going to try to do better and provide you with good information that is presented in a way that you can understand. You don't have to be a professor or a former prosecutor or a professional journalist or a professional anchor person or whatever. You can understand that I'm just an ordinary American who is frustrated by many of the same things that bother you. And you wonder how things got so messed up and who's responsible. And perhaps I can share some options on how we can take steps to correct these things. Maybe inform you of something that you weren't aware of. But this has been a learning process for me as well. I never thought that I would want to do a podcast. I don't think I have the voice for it, to be honest. I don't have a Keith Olbermann voice or a Tom Hartman voice. But every American has a voice and everybody has the right and should speak up and get involved. You really shouldn't complain if you don't get involved somehow. And this is just my part trying to spread the word. And I know that uh, there's a lot of people that disagree with me. But if those people will go back and check their facts, I think they're going to find most of the time I'm correct because I do try to check everything and double check and triple check. And sometimes even reputable sources don't agree. So you have to use your own judgment to determine what is most likely to be correct. If you are planning on celebrating the new year tonight, please be careful. Please don't drink and drive. If you're going to be out in public, especially if you're indoors, wear a mask. I know that that is hard to do, but COVID is still around. There is another new variant that is hitting China really, really hard and has been hitting China hard for a couple of weeks now. And we know from past experience that what happens over there eventually finds its way over here. And you don't want to bring in the new year by getting sick. In addition to that, the flu 
is also bad this year because of people being more isolated the last couple of seasons. A lot of people are particularly prone to coming down with the flu this year, especially if you haven't had a flu shot. And then there's that respiratory virus that's going around that's causing a lot of problems for people also. And apparently there's not a vaccine for that. But if you use the same precautions that you would use with COVID, it would definitely help reduce your chances of catching it. I hope that 2023 is a healthy, happy, and prosperous year for all of you. And my hope is that a year from now, we can all get together. And when looking back at 2023, say, you know what? 2023 wasn't so bad after all. Let's all stick together and we'll get through somehow. It's nice to know you're not alone and you're not alone. Take care and I will talk to you in 2023. Be safe. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Thank you.